You can't handle the truth. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! <laughs> You're gonna need a bigger boat. Get away from her, you bitch! The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. To infinity and beyond! Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Hello and welcome to the Samuel and Manuel Movie <laughs> Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm Manny Manuel. And I'm Jordan Spires. What Ooh, the what? fuck? <laughs> Another <laughs> guest. So I, know, I, could, I could barely take this intro seriously because Manny <laughs> fucked up the countdown. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I totally did. Yeah, Manny- Manny always counts down from uh, always counts down from five to start the shows, and he said you said two and held up the number three. No, and I held up laughing. I can't remember what I did. I definitely <laughs> fucked it up. I sh- anyway, Jordan's here today. <laughs> yeah, Jordan welcome, Jordan. Joining joining the podcast, Jordan. How are you doing today? I am great, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Jordan. I'm very excited to have you here. I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, Jordan's a, a very loyal listener, and I'm we're very excited to have her on. She's been wanting to come on for a while. We finally, finally found a, a spot to fit her in, a movie that she uh, deemed worthy enough to uh, offer her opinion on. Yeah, very lucrative guest spot. It's, uh, is this, this marks the fourth guest in the history of the podcast, yeah, I believe? fourth guest. Fourth guest. And, uh, and be- because we like to promote equality here, we now have had two males and two females. Yes, correct. Yeah, so Rachel can suck it. She's no longer the only female. <laughs> I believe people of color are still underrepresented, though, so... That's true. Wait, I'm of color. What's that? I'm of color. Yeah, I'm a color too. White's a color, right? Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, uh, before we get into the movie today, which I guess we should say is Annihilation, which is going to be awesome, we are going to uh, have a little mini interview with Jordan to start, and then we're going to dive into both our non-spoiler and spoiler thoughts on Annihilation point by point. Uh, but first, before we get into that, Manny, why don't you tell the people where they can find us on the social media type things? Ooh, yeah, they can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. You can follow us on Facebook. Please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. If you give us a five-star rating and a positive review, it will increase our profile and allow more people to find this lovely little podcast. And if you want to contact us old school style, you can email us at sammannymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Calm. That's it. Oh, oh, sorry. Is that me? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I have not been given the list of questions. So oh, Manny, right. I'm assuming you. I'm assuming you will be taking the reins on this. That's a good call. Uh, given that this show is your baby, and even though Jordan is a friend of mine, I will. Uh, I will let you get to know her. I'll let you uh, fair, interview her. Sixty minutes stuff. Fair enough. <laughs> even though you have top billing. I'll, I'll, I do have top billing. I'll take Manny the does all the work, though. <laughs> it's because you're a giver, Manny. You don't, you don't that think about true. yourself. You think about other people. That is true. I'm a total top. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going we're gonna to let myself and, and our listeners uh, get to know Jordan a little bit before we dive into our review of Annihilation. So, Jordan, my first question for you. What are a few of some of your favorite movies? Um, first and foremost, I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd. So those uh, those lovely eight films will always make the top of my list for almost anything. Um, since we're doing Annihilation, I love sci-fi films, so anything like The Martian and Arrival. Good start. 
Thank nice you. Picks. Thank <laughs> you. Picks. Doing great. Um, I also love like Dead Poet Society, Stand By Me, Ooh, uh, some of the classics. Iron Giant is one of my favorites. Manny, your mic's still off, by the way. I think. I can't hear you anyway. You can't hear me at all? No, I can, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't hear you anyway, regardless. You're stealing my spotlight. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is a little bit. I, I like almost, I'll watch almost literally anything, even baseball movies. Nice. Even baseball movies. Nice. Well, Jordan, I'm sure you, as as a loyal listener, you know that I have not seen the the Harry Potter films. I know, and it it hurts me every time. <laughs> it's not it's not out of a, a a lack of interest or a hatred of Harry Potter in any way. I just never got around to it. I never read the books, so I wasn't that intrigued to see the movies. I did see the first one, and it didn't quite reel me in. I know I hear they get better, and I will get- check them out eventually so much better do you do you have a favorite harry potter movie yeah the third one yeah it's the best one absolutely oscar winning director alfonso i was going like isn't that caross yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) no prisoner of azkaban is the best one although i'm sure manny won't be watching uh, the crimes of grindelwald anytime soon i don't think uh, i don't think anyone should watch the crimes of grindelwald anytime soon that movie was awful what did you think of fantastic beast out of curiosity i liked the first fantastic beast i thought it was really good and it was yeah. a lot of fun and the characters were great mm. and then jk rowling did what jk rowling does best and she opened her mouth and she ruined it <laughs> interesting yeah, take fantastic that. yeah nice. she really is all right next one <laughs> what are some movies you hate i struggle because i don't necessarily hate um a lot of movies no the correct answer is transformers <laughs> even then i don't hate all of the transformers Although I will say I did, I think I saw the, I want to say the fourth one in theaters and I spent three quarters of it looking at my phone, waiting for it to be over. Um, so yeah, those ones are really bad. I would say Crimes of Grindelwald definitely makes my list for least favorite movies. Uh, almost any recent Adam Sandler movie, they've all been pretty fucking awful. Um, as well as creature features. My, uh, best friend Kaylee, she lives in the UK right now. When she comes over, she likes to take us to movies and, uh, she made me go see the Meg this summer, <laughs> and uh, it was god awful. I've it heard that. Really, it was really bad. You're telling me a movie about Jason Statham <laughs> battling a megalodon shark <laughs> didn't turn out to be a masterpiece? The only reason anyone should go watch it is because Jason, Stath- Jason Statham is in it. That's fair. Um, and then also recently, like the DCEU movies, except for Wonder Woman, have been pretty bad. Really did, not enjoyable. Did you see Aquaman? I did see Aquaman. It was it was all right. I didn't. I liked it better. It's definitely my second favorite DCEU film. That's not saying a lot. <laughs> not saying a lot at all. No. Whoever's whoever's <laughs> idea it was to cast Jason Momoa in a movie where he's soaking wet for ninety percent of it is like it, that person deserves yeah. a raise. Absolutely. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, what are some of your favorite actors? Um. So I love. Uh, I love like Olivia Coleman, Amy Adams, um, Viola Davis. Absolutely. I'm a huge David Tennant fan. I went into Edmonton, which I don't want to do, but I went to Edmonton to go meet David Tennant at the Edmonton Expo, and it was amazing. Um, I love uh, Colin Firth, Gary Oldman, Robert Downey Jr., Hugh Jackman. Um, also, like, Mag- uh, Dame Maggie Smith, Helena Bonham Carter. I love Natalie Portman. I love a lot of people. Nice. <laughs> David Tennant is on. in my, hmm, let's say... Definitely top five favorite Marvel villains. I completely agree. Kilgrave was amazing. Might, yeah. He actually might be number one. Really? 
It's probably was, it's he, probably between him and Loki. That's fair. He is brilliant. Like Jessica Jones season one was one of my favorite. Oh, se- season one of Jessica no, Jones incredible. is that's, absolutely that's, unreal. That's why I couldn't figure out what the fuck you guys. You haven't Jones. seen the you haven't seen the Netflix you haven't seen the Netflix Marvel. Stuff. I haven't seen any Marvel TV shows. You haven't? I haven't seen a single episode of any one of them. Right. I've seen almost all of them. Yeah, you and Manny will get along then. Yes. You're obsessed with all those shows, right? Uh, yeah. Well, Jessica yes. Jones, Agents of C- Agents of Shield, and yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Uh, all right. Are there any actors that you don't like? Um, I struggle with Tom Cruise. Um, oh, yeah, and now I don't actually like. I do enjoy the Mission Impossible movies because I think they're fun. They're so and fun. a lot of that has to do with Simon Pegg more recently than not. I just struggle with Tom Cruise as a serious actor, knowing what he's like in person. I can't take him seriously, and especially his more recent roles. I don't mind some of his old roles. Like A Few, a few Good Men's a really good movie, and he's really good in it. Sam, you uh, haven't seen that, have you? Say again? You haven't seen A Few Good Men, have you? you have, of course I haven't. You haven't I seen am... A Few Good Men? You, you sound so... Jordan. It's, it's in the intro of your podcast. <laughs> yes, which I did not make. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't create that intro. That's okay. It's you a, sound so shocked every time you learn. I haven't I, seen a movie. I am always so shocked. When it's you a best. Seen a it's movie. a best picture nominee. So we're gonna get to it. Yeah, exactly. That's right. it, that's, I, I haven't rushed that's a those. ways away, but we're, we'll we'll be getting there. Yeah, we, <laughs> we occasionally talk about movies that are gonna show up in like the '70s when we do these things. So yeah, so I'm. I don't Buckle think we're, we're not gonna be stopping anytime soon. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> um, Jordan, what was the last movie that made you cry? I mean, I just did a Harry Potter rewatch, so that probably counts. Um, <laughs> it definitely counts. I um, I cry like a baby in the last one for sure. In the last Almost, one. and honestly, I cry in so many movies as well. I couldn't actually tell you I, specifically which ones. I went to go see Eighth Grade with uh, Jordan and our and our mutual friend <laughs> yeah. Emma, and Jordan was sobbing uh, during the during the fire scene. Oh. I was a mess. Yeah. I was absolutely a mess. That was fair. Rough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying I blame her at all. It's an emotional oh, yeah. scene for sure. No, All right, I, we're down, I, I to, the, we're down to the final two and most important questions. Okay. Have you ever, or would you ever, pirate or illegally stream a movie? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um, I do try to buy movies as often as possible. I actually just, uh, um, I just ordered Into the Spider Verse, and it arrived today. So I'm gonna make yeah. Sam watch that. It's gonna be, it's gonna, it's gonna christen our apartment. Do you have yours already, too? <laughs> You're goddamn right. It's the day it came out, I bought it. It was my goddamn yeah. number one of the year. <laughs> um, I do try to buy movies when financially responsible to do so um, and when they're good enough that I'd want to own them, but I do pirate movies a lot just because <clears throat> we're, you know, broke. I used, right. to be able, I used to be able to say I was a broke college student, but now I'm just broke. <laughs> well, this will be your last time on the episode. Um, and the you last question. All of your friends pirated movies too, by the way. <laughs> Adam and Charles and, and have not. any of them been back? Ooh, not touche. yet. Yeah. And the last and most important question, Jordan. Do you believe in giving half points when reviewing or rating a movie out of five? I do. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually that's one of, that's one of my struggles with this movie was. I want there's a I wanted to give it a half star rating because it just it it just it sometimes you just need that little bit of wiggle room to be like it's not quite this and it's not quite that it's right in the middle and sometimes a b- difference between a four and a five isn't it's just not quite there. Wow, you're not making friends tonight. I am not making friends tonight. <laughs> That's okay. 
Well, at least I you got one episode. Could... <laughs> I wish the listeners could see Manny's face right now because he's just steamed. He is absolutely steamed. Yeah. If T-Bone and Kyle and Gino are listening right now, they would say I'm thin-lipped. My lips get thin when I get angry. All right. Well, after that horrible interview, let's move on to a review of Annihilation. Ouch. Jordan, I thought you did great. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> All right, we're going to dive into uh, 2018's Annihilation. Uh, it was directed by Alex Garden, uh, Alex Garland, sorry, uh, written by Alex Garland, based off the novel by Jeff Vandermeer. Uh, it's starring Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Lee, Tessa Thompson, Gina Rodriguez, and Os- Oscar Isaac. It has a 79 Metascore, a budget of 40 million, and it grossed a whopping 43.1. Uh, the plot synopsis, which I don't have in front of me, which is horrible, is a biologist sum- signs up for a dangerous secret expedition into a mysterious zone where the laws of nature don't apply. I feel like we complain about the IMDb synopsis every time we read one. <laughs> yeah, pretty close. Yeah. But I'm fine. I mean, it, it's good to have, but I mean, some of these, like this is, there's a lot of mystery in this movie, so I get why it's probably intentionally vague. Yeah. Well, maybe if I ever get enough time or not lazy, I'll try and find better plot synopsi. Is that right? Would it be synopsi? Synopses? Synopsises? S-E-S at the end? <laughs> Who cares? Is it like cacti or octopi? Anyway, Who? doesn't matter. Who <laughs> cares? Okay, <laughs> Sam, since you've been uh, sitting oh so patiently as uh, Jordan and I have run our mouth, why don't you give me your spoiler-free thoughts on Annihilation? I don't think I was sitting here patiently. I think I was interrupting you guys more than I was sitting here. That's, that's okay. Um, yeah, so my spoiler-free thoughts on Annihilation. This was only my second time watching this movie. I actually had to squeeze it in right before we came on air tonight uh, due to some scheduling changes at my work. Uh, but this is a movie that demands attention. It is a thought-provoking movie. It's an interesting movie. It's uh, written and directed by Alex Garland, who is proving himself to be one of the geniuses working in the industry today. I will say that of the two Alex Garland movies I've seen, it's certainly my second favorite next to Ex Machina, which is a brilliant, brilliant movie. But nonetheless, this ranked number two on my top ten movies of 2018, and I stand by it upon rewatch. Natalie Portman's incredible. Oscar Isaac's incredible. Um, Daisy Domergu, or excuse me, Jennifer Jason Leigh, is very, very good. Um, Yeah, overall, it's a a fucked up, uh, thought-provoking movie. It's kind of baffling to me that the budget was only roughly 40 to $55 million. So you could either make this movie 10 times or hire Mike Trout to play baseball for you for 12 years. Uh, but yeah, overall, super enjoyable movie. I will be rewatching this one for years and years and years to come. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a great time. Excellent. Jordan. Um, I definitely love this movie as well. It is one of the few that I've splurged money on and, and purchased on uh, Blu-ray. Um, I just, I'm, again, I'm a huge sci-fi nerd. I read the book a couple years ago for the first time, and I was really enthralled by the world and stuff, and I just, uh, I love stuff like this, and uh, I just think it's really well done. Again, it's super thought-provoking. I love how kind of open-ended it is. Um, You have to watch it a few times to catch every little thing. I think I've seen it about four or five times now, um, twice in the last week. Yeah. and it's really it's just it's a really good movie and it is again it's one that doesn't get a whole lot of attention and i think it should get more attention mm-hmm. um i think there's a lot of reasons behind it um eh, i just really enjoy it it's a really good one i'm curious uh having read the book i mean i haven't read the yeah. book obviously but uh it, 
is I'm curious about the ending. I mean, obviously we're in the non-spoiler section here, so maybe we can get into this later. Yeah. But uh, is it as open-ended in the novel, or do you sort of take some of the knowledge that you that you gain from the book and then sort of apply it to a lot of the open-endedness of the end? Well, say about the book is that it ends in a it ends in a different place than the film ends. Okay. So they're kind of hard. They're a little harder to relate to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is actually one of the few instances where I really don't mind that the book and the film are completely different. Like more often than not, I definitely yeah. prefer the movie to be the book. Yeah. Um, but this is definitely one of the few times where, um, the book and the film go in very different directions at times. And I think it works for both mediums. We definitely could have a full episode about that though, whether yeah. or not a film has an obligation to be true to the source material, yeah. but that'll be a story for another day, I guess. Uh, Manny, now it was your turn to sit there patiently and uh, and be quiet. So why don't you tell us about what you thought of this movie? Spoiler free, of course. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, Alex Garland is a director and a writer that uh, I really respect and admire. He's done this. This is only the second time he's ever been behind the camera as a director. Uh, but the other movies that he's written include The Beach, Twenty Eight Days Later, Sunshine. Dread, uh, and then Ex Machina, which was his directorial debut, and then Annihilation. The man has a incredible gift uh, for writing, uh, and as a director, I'm really enjoying what he's doing so far. As this was a visually stunning film, the kind of movie I wish I had seen in the theater, where I'm also glad that I have a really great home entertainment system so I can really enjoy the visuals that this man provided. This movie was drop dead gorgeous. It is the type of science fiction film that I love, but it's also hard the kind of movie that's hard for me to really kind of break down as the themes and messages are so subtextual and so incredibly in-depth that they're honestly, in, in all honesty, like I said, in, in, in all honesty, a little beyond me. I'm looking forward to trying to break this movie down as a lot of the themes and stuff, uh, depression and stuff like that that are in this movie are hard to really get uh, to really pull from and the movie itself just like Jordan said requires in my opinion multiple viewings the movie is deep profound and exquisitely done by Alex Garland this is the type of movie that I love being made and unfortunately as you can see uh, with a budget of 40 million and a gross of 43.1 it was a failure and so now that these movies aren't making any money, <clears throat> studios are going to be less willing to take the risk to, to uh, release these movies into theater, and that's going to be sad. So we're going to find more and more movies like this on Netflix, on Amazon Prime, on Hulu, and places like that. So we're not going to be able to experience these types of movies in the theater, and that's really sad. I'm really tired of people complaining about how there's nothing but comic book movies and broad comedies and all these adaptations and properties that are in the theaters and yet something original like this comes along which is based off a book but it's completely it's not a well-known book I've never actually heard of this book prior to the movie people aren't going out and supporting these types of movies and that's what makes me sad is we're gonna start seeing these highbrow great science fiction films disappear from our theaters and that's gonna make me sad because I really wish that I had had the chance to see this in the movie theater. It's an absolutely exquisite film that I definitely will be visiting time and time again. Much like Jordan's apparent uh, rating system for her movies, if they're really good enough, she'll own them. I own this one already. This, <laughs> this was actually, this was so high on my want to see list 
Uh, I, I missed it when I was here in town because I live in a small town. It was only here for a week and I missed it. So it was a blind buy. I actually bought this movie before I saw it and uh, was fairly certain that I was going to like it based on all the reviews I had read plus uh, Alex Garden's uh, directorial debut um, of uh, Ex Machina, which was a, an absolute masterpiece of science fiction. So, yeah, if for those of you that haven't seen uh, Annihilation, it's a high recommend uh, on my part. And for all three, I can tell already. This is that's going to be yeah. Oh, can yeah. confirm that yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> this is the this is the kind of movie that I love, and uh, I'm looking forward to breaking it down. So that's, uh, I guess, as spoiler free as I can get. Uh, and I think we're ready to dive right in, ladies and gentlemen. I'd say so. <clears throat> that being said, spoilers coming up. If you haven't watched this movie, uh, it's three, two, one. Go fuck yourself. Let's dive right in. <laughs> Lena, a cellular biology professor and former soldier, tells her story under interrogation by odd men in hazmat suits. Lena was happily married to Kane, who disappeared on a covert mission. Twelve months later, Kane suddenly comes home. He remembers nothing and expresses little. Suddenly, he vomits blood. Lena calls an ambulance, but she and Kane are intercepted by security forces and sedated. So I think one of the things I appreciate appreciate about this movie right off the bat is what a good job it does of drawing you in gives you it gives you a lot of questions about what's going on we we start on lena confused and disoriented uh basically being studied by a team of people in hazmat suits uh yeah it's, it's a really confusing scenario and it does a really good job of drawing you in right off the bat especially when kane shows up and uh is Drink, drinks a glass of water and bleeds into it. Like, there's so many aspects of this intro that just make you say, "What the fuck is happening?" <laughs> but in a good way. It's not like confusing. It's uh, it's intriguing. I think. Yeah. Um. Question for you guys. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the interview kind of bookends of this film? This reveals that she obviously survives the going into the shimmer right spoilers coming what are your thoughts on that as a storytelling trope i guess are the stakes lowered you already know she survives what were your thoughts that's interesting because i i don't think it actually spoils anything important about the movie about the conclusion um yeah i, I do see where you're coming from yeah that it does sort of spoil the end but i think we, as a matter of fact, if we're getting into spoiler territory, we really don't know that she survives, right? Like when uh, <laughs> when Oscar Isaac's character asks her uh, if she's Lena at the end, she doesn't answer. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think we do know that she survives. Well, no, that's that... true. We'll definitely get more into that at the end because I have thoughts on that <laughs> whole part. Um, but I think I think the the interview layout that they do kind of weaved within the film. I think it just it. I think it connects it better and I think it helps to tell a better story. And I think especially with this movie, at least when it comes to Natalie Portman's character, I'm not like, I don't think there wasn't a point where I was worried if she was going to die or not. Like even at the end of the fight, like that's not what this movie's about. So I don't necessarily think that the, the book ended of the interviews ruined this ruined, like the, the stakes of her getting in or out. Cause I think it was enough happened and it was, it's it's about more than that. 
So I, th- I liked how it was intertwined, and that's a big difference from the book. The book is all first person, and there's no interviewing kind of deal. Um, so that was a that was a change I actually I enjoyed from the book. Fair so enough. you get to kind of see more of it as well. I think that Benedict Wong is wasted in that role, but that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. I've, I have written in my notes the dude from Doctor Strange question mark. <laughs> yeah. So you you didn't like the interview format then? I was fine with it. I was it's just a question I wanted to pose. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, I I enjoyed the beginning. Um, first off, the score is stunning. The music throughout this movie is so incredible and, and pretty pretty dynamic too. It has a yeah. pretty wide range of everything from acoustic guitar uh, slow pieces to this weird synthy score at the end that they go to. Yeah, um, I have to say, even though, well, he's obviously in it, but as we continue to move along, Oscar Isaac is quickly climbing the charts as one of my favorite actors. Oh, absolutely. Now, in he's... this movie, he's not really doing all that much, and he's got a his part's a little bit small, but the more I see him, the more I'm like, this man is destined for superstardom and for certain going to be getting a statue one day. All I, all I really want out of life at this point is Alex Garland to continue making awesome sci-fi movies and for Oscar Isaac to be in them. Yes. Absolutely. Jordan, you said that you haven't seen Ex Machina? Not yet, okay. actually, and I'm very so, sad about it. <laughs> so that's going to be a movie we're going to need to Absolutely, watch. Absolutely, we will. Uh, for those listening, Jordan and I are about to become roommates, actually. We're about to move <laughs> in together, and we've just discussed ad infinitum just what movies we're going to force each other to watch. And I think Ex Machina has to climb yeah. to the top of the list, especially because of Oscar Isaac's performance in that. Um, it, it's sort of surprising to me in wake of that movie that he does have so little to do in this movie because in my mind, he's one of the highlights of Ex Machina. But here, same writer, same director, uh, and he sort of plays a little bit more of a background role. I, I found that a little bit surprising. Do you want to know why? I'd imagine it was because of all the Star Wars shoots. They were filming at the exact same time in neighboring lots. No way. So there were certain days oh, that he was filming that. both movies at the same time. Uh-huh. Okay, go- yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Definitely. What I'd also say to that as well is, um, and it's something I was going to touch on a little later, but what I, what I really appreciate about, about this movie so much as well is that it's a very female-driven science fiction film, mm-hmm. which, I mean, it's hard to find really good female-driven films in the first place, let alone in the sci-fi kind of fantasy category. Um, so like even in the books, like a lot of the male characters take a backseat because yeah. it's not, <gasps> how it's dare a... they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, that happens too often. Right. Yeah. Uh, this movie, <laughs> this movie just lost a full a point with writing roles for men. Why, why is this such a big problem? <laughs> that's why Oscar yeah, Isaac had to also... fight for screen time in this movie. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's also another part of it is that he just doesn't, his, his role is important, but it's not. Like, it's not his movie. No, it's no, not. It's, not it's Portman. It's obviously Portman's movie, and this is a female-centric movie, and, that, and that's one. I think it's one of the reasons that I like this movie so much. And the, and the four female leads um, are fantastic. Oh, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was so happy when I saw Tessa Thompson in this. I love her so much. Yeah, the fifth one, I'm sorry that I, I kind of gave her a short shift. I didn't even give her a... a, a Tuva, Tuva 
Novotny. Too, yeah. E- yeah. Easy, easy for me to say. Right? I yeah. think she was in Ex Machina, but other than that, I don't think I know anything that... Or if she's been in anything else, I'm unaware of it. I can definitely look into that. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, I don't see anything that uh, I recognize on here. Well, I see Eat, Pray, Love, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. And... Was, uh, it looks like she wasn't even in Ox- Ex Machina, was she? Nope. Yeah. A whole lot of Swedish films from the looks of it. Goddamn Swedes. <laughs> <laughs> well put, Manny. Are you still bitter about that one Swedish fan who never actually got back to us? Yes. <laughs> I think I scared him away by constantly calling him out. Or her. Yeah. Could have been a her. Yeah. Whatever. Or it could have been someone using a VPN. <laughs> yes, that it is very true. Yeah. Just like we actually have this other, we have this one listener in this certain area, I've no longer decided to call them out. Ooh. <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about. This I'll, one certain I'll, area. Huh? I think I know which certain area you're talking about, though, aren't I? Maybe. Uh, yeah. The, uh, the fifth best team in the American <laughs> League East. Oh. <laughs> Jordan's lost in all the baseball talk already. Yeah. She already didn't like that Mike Trout reference I did earlier. <laughs> She didn't like that. At least I got that one, though. Yeah, very true. Uh, Lena awakes in a secret facility. A psychologist, Dr. Ventress, explains that Kane's mission was to explore the Shimmer, an expanding zone covered by iridescent light. The Shimmer emerged three years ago from a lighthouse in a national park. Ventress organized exploratory expeditions, but no one returned except Kane. Kane now remains unconscious and on life support. Lena learns Ventress is leading a new expedition with Anya the paramedic, Cassie, the geomorphologist, and Josie, the physicist. Lena volunteers to join them to help Kane, though she does not disclose her motives. That's so actually a when long we... paragraph for a very short amount of screen time. Yeah, well, I was, I was going to say, um, we really get into the shimmer really quick in this movie. It's one of the things I like best about it is that it wastes no time. It introduces a lot of mystery off the bat. It introduces you to the shimmer, what you're there to see, and makes you really curious about it. And then it very slowly explains it over the over the period of the movie. But as we're here in the facility, uh, the intro to Ventress is sort of interesting to me. I, I still don't really know how I feel about Ventress as a character, but she definitely comes off as a huge bitch off the bat. Uh, she, which is sort of strange to me that they set her up like this. Like you almost think she's gonna be this. Uh, dark governmental character uh and I, I really didn't know anything about this movie when i first came into it so i didn't know if maybe she was going to be the main antagonist or something but uh yeah she turns out to be a pretty sympathetic character um i don't know i, I think i would have liked for them to go with the uh, the antagonism route a little bit more i would have liked for there to be a little bit more clash between her and lena i don't know how they could have uh, woven that into it again I don't know how it is in the source material as well but it just struck me as a little bit weird that they set her up to be one of the antagonists and then just kind of reverse course on it so I'll touch on the book a little bit on that yeah she so first of all one thing you should know about the book is that none of these characters have names right they're all referred to as um, their um, their profession so like Lena's just referred to as the biologist and Ventress is just referred to as the psychologist and then there's the paramedic and the physicist really yeah, none of them have names. And it's because it's told from first person, so it's told from Lena's perspective. Um, and it's 
So she was not told any of the names so as to not have too much of a personal relationship with any of these people. So a la Edward Norton in Fight Club. Y yes, yeah, there okay. you go. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> um, so um, Dr. Ventress, especially as the just as the psychologist, her and the, the biologist did actually have a lot more kind of conflict in the right. book. They definitely bounced back off of each other. And uh, the psychologist was a they don't really go into it too much in the film. They, they kind of hint at it a little bit, but not enough that if you didn't read the book, you wouldn't really know it. Mm. Um, but she is actually incredibly controlling of the entire situation that's going on and does a lot of stuff kind of before they go into the shimmer that affects how they react and how they do things in the shimmer. Okay. So, for example, we haven't quite, I mean, we've kind of gotten to it. No um, when they go into the shimmer, you know how they're kind of like dazed and oriented for, they, like they, yeah, they, they like they a few days have gone missing. They don't remember setting up yeah. camp or anything like that. So, yeah. What happens there is the psychologist, Dr. Ventress, she hypnotizes them before they go into the shimmer. Whoa. And that's to stop from what they've learned from previous expeditions in is that the first few days they there's a lot of um, hallucinations and stuff. And like that's really where people kind of went crazy. So she knocked them out for a few days to get them in and to kind of get them settled and used to the environment before they wake up and really react with it i, I think uh, on that note i like that they omitted that because the yeah. approach that they took with them just being completely disoriented through the first whatever it is several days uh the approach they took there i think preserves the mystery a little yeah. bit more like if if she hypnotizes them it sort of implies that she knows something about the situation beforehand well, that's so kind I, of, I like the way they preserve the mystery in the movie that's kind of where the book is is that there's a lot of there's a lot of that happening gotcha. she does know more than she okay. lets on gotcha um but even when you watch the film all like the four the four that are not you know not dr ventress but the other four mm -hmm. are a lot more worried about the time passing than dr ventress is so you kind of get this idea like when you if you've read the book you kind of get this idea that you can see that she, she knows, she knows she's exactly what's clock. happening. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Makes sense. That was a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, I don't know if you ever listened to the show, Jordan. We, oh, yeah. You guys never go on tangents. Never. We are always to the point, yes. and we never jump around plot-wise. Never. <laughs> yeah. Uh, upon entering the Shimmer, the, the team suddenly wakes up inside tents. They deduce several days have passed based on their supplies, but cannot remember what happened. Their communications and navigation equipment are also malfunctioning. Lena documents multiple flower species growing from single stems. Again, we basically just touched on all that right there. Uh, Jordan's excellent uh, analysis and, and comparison to the book has allowed us to uh, move on from this point. So I let's... do quickly oh. want to jump into something. Of course. Just, just quickly. There's a really nice quote at the very beginning of the book that kind of explains what it's like to enter the Shimmer. And it goes, uh, the effect of this cannot be understood without being there. The beauty of it cannot be understood either. And when you see beauty and desolation, it changes something inside you. Desolation tries to colonize you. I really love how that kind of describes their existence in this. They have no idea what's going on, but it's beautiful. But you slowly learn that it's also incredibly dangerous. Mm -hmm. I just really loved that quote. No, that's, that's, nice that's actually really nice. I almost wish they would have included that as like, yeah. a, like a title card or something like that. Definitely. Uh, what are your thoughts on the, uh, as they're in the shimmer and the visuals of everything inside? Uh, Jordan, especially, I'm interested in you since is how it's displayed on film. Is it how you pictured it when reading the book? Is it different? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? It's, I mean, it's different, but it's, 
you know, you still envision, like I envisioned very, I guess I envisioned it pretty similarly. Um, just this, this kind of wild, uh, growth of, you know, plants and trees and it's all out of control, but it's all like eerily beautiful. That's absolutely how I, how I wanted it to look when I watched the film. And it definitely lived up to that for sure. I think it was just, it was stunning. The, it was so gorgeous. Um, and it works really well. Sam? Yeah, uh, the visuals of this movie, um, again, having not read the book myself, the visuals of this movie, I think, are a testament to uh, the filmmaking prowess of Alex Garland, as well as the cinematography of dot, 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 let me find it, Rob Hardy. Um, I, I really like what they managed to do on such a small budget. I think um, the landscapes are quite beautiful. The imagery around the lighthouse, especially in the opening shot when the light first hits the lighthouse and you yep. start the sh you see the shimmer start to form, that's one of my favorite shots of the movie. It's fantastic. Also, there's a shot of them first entering the shimmer. I, I guess I should just say in general, the shimmer has a, a really great look to it. I like what they did with it. And when the women are first entering it, there's a great shot of them uh, from behind uh, looking up at it. Um, just a lot of the imagery in this movie is really great. Um, and then we'll get towards the end where, you know, it gets very, very abstract oh. with its uh, with its CGI. Of, of course, we'll get to that. But as far as the the landscapes go, I like it. And then we'll get into some of the, the creepy creatures as well. And those guys are fucking awesome. <laughs> I agree. This The visuals of this film and, and, and the representation of the Shimmer are spectacular. How this didn't get uh, a production design Oscar nomination is beyond me. Uh, it definitely wasn't going to beat something like Black Panther. Uh, the other nominees this year were Black Panther, The Favorite, First Man, Mary Poppins Returns, and Roma. So yeah. I could see Mary Poppins Returns and maybe First Man or The Favorite getting bumped for this. Uh, but Black Panther and Roma definitely are worthy of those nominations. But this this whole film is just absolutely gorgeous from production design, the way that they uh, incorporate the shimmer, the when they start talking about the, the, the tumors and the flowers growing off one another. And as we get forward with the flower people and the other things that we see later on, uh, it's visually stunning and it's upsetting that this was completely ignored at this year's Oscars. There was one other detail I wanted to uh, touch on for the visual aspect of it. And again, Manny and I always talk about how little details make the movie, but as the sun is shining through the trees, it even has this prism effect to it. Uh, like even the light itself is being, uh, being uh, refracted may be from the shimmer itself, or it may just be, um, from the effect of the shimmer, but regardless, there are these tiny little details of light shining through trees and sort of being separated into its base colors, and it's a really nice touch visually, and it, it's very, very uh, well thought out. Well, and I'm going to add on to that. They, they, they prime you for the refraction at the very beginning of the film mm -hmm. with the scene where, um, at the very beginning when um, Kane comes back and they're on the... They're, they're sitting at the table and their hands are going into the water. Like you yeah. see their hands through the water glass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I love that they put that in because it kind of, it, they, it's just trying to prime the viewer a little bit for what fucked up shit's going to go through your head in about half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of Kane and Lena, there's actually, uh, there was a scene where they're in, uh, they're in bed together and it's just before Kane's about to leave. Uh, and he said a line, uh, where is it? Uh, it was the, uh, when he, he starts talking about they'll when 
they'll look up, they'll see the same stars. <laughs> and yeah. she completely shoots that shit yeah. down. It's I love that. It's such a great moment because it's the kind of cheesy romantic line that you see in movies all the time and the girl's supposed to swoon and she's just like, fuck that. Yeah, I love that too. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, that scene becomes even more romantic in my opinion because you get to see them just uh, sort of rib each other and he starts tickling her and she just continues ribbing at him. I think that's yeah. a really, really romantic scene. Yeah. I, I love that part. It well, is. and it's a real conversation. Uh -huh. It's not like, it's not a, oh, this is a cute romantic scene. It's like yeah. a real... Yeah. Like relationship. This is how people are actually are towards each other. It was it was so cute. I loved yeah. it. It was a uh, it was definitely a highlight of the many highlights in this movie for me. Just a, a little moment that I really wanted to touch on. Uh, moving on from there, Josie is attacked by an alligator. After rescuing her, Lena finds it is hybridized with a shark. Cassie tells Lena that each teammate volunteered to escape self-destructive habits and it is human nature to practice self-destruction. Lena remembers cheating with a married colleague during Kane's missions. The alligator attack was not as well done as I would have liked, but I still enjoyed it, and this is actually where one of my favorite shots of the movie is, and it's when Lena is shooting the alligator. The camera pans towards her as she is unloading her assault rifle on this alligator as it's coming towards her. And the strength and resolve that Lena shows and her her skills with a gun because she has spent time in the army is not apparent. At no point did I have any doubt that Lena had spent time in the army. It's this beautiful, strong shot of a woman taking complete charge of the situation. And you can tell the difference as she's obviously had military training as opposed to the others in that group because when this goes down, they're just kind of scattering. They don't know what to do. The way that the, all the other girls kind of handle being in that situation, uh, not, taking, not taking the necessary precautions was apparent. And uh, I actually love that shot. Um, learning that the alligator had shark teeth, when I first watched this movie, I didn't really think of it being a hybrid with a shark. I just thought of it more as a mutation, not as it being combined with something else. No, I, I see that point of view, and I, I definitely agree with it. As far as the scene itself goes, I I did like it. I The first time I saw it, I got a pretty nasty jump scare from... Uh, I definitely from, did, yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pr pretty nasty jump scare when the alligator first shows up. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you in the sense that it's less well done as some of the other action scenes, which again, we'll get to later. But uh, I think spatially, I couldn't really figure out what was going on the first time around. Uh, like the fact that a good amount of the action in this scene happens underwater, um, maybe is sort of a detriment to it. And again, maybe it's just because the mystery of the, of the scene is kind of what they're trying to hype up. Like she gets attacked, but you don't really see the creature and it's supposed to up the tension a little bit. But I feel like the scene sort of suffers because of that, and like we don't even see her really thrashing around the water or anything. Like I don't know. Spatially, I felt sort of weird about the way this scene was constructed. Not that it's bad. I mean, the, the alligator has a pretty good look to it. Um, Natalie Portman, as you said, becoming a total boss-ass bitch for like 30 seconds <laughs> and just pumping this alligator full of lead is awesome. And uh, her taking control of the situation. But I agree that of the, like, three animal attacks we see in this movie, it's probably the third best. 
Anything you want to touch on with the scene, Jordan? No, I think mostly <laughs> it's like it's been touched on. Um, I definitely agree that it's um, it's not the most like it, it's not the best action scene in the film. Um, but I did I, I really enjoyed the. I remember, like, I was super confused when I first saw it open its mouth and it had way more teeth than it had any right to have. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and like, with, with mutation being such a huge theme throughout this film and, and kind of its relation to, like, destruction and stuff, I, uh, I, liked, I liked that part of it, but as an action scene, it was weak. Yeah. I think we need to stop taking our guests' points. <laughs> I think all, all of our guests... <laughs> All of our guests have said at some point, oh, yeah, like, no, you definitely said everything I was thinking. <laughs> Whoopsie. Manny and I love to talk, in case you didn't know. Never noticed. Uh, reaching an abandoned building, the team discovers evidence of Kane's expedition, including a video of Kane cutting open a living teammate to reveal slithering intestines. The team discovers the teammate's grotesque remains shortly afterwards. So a lot of the imagery in this part, Jordan was actually shuddering as you read that <laughs> description. Uh, do you, do you want to lead on this with your thoughts on the video? I hated that scene. Like, I loved, I thought it was cool, but I hate watching the scene. Everything from the, the just, you watch the entire, the knife cutting in, the going in, and then just the intestines just doing its, doing nice little slithering around in the body. I don't need that. I'm good. It was cool. It just creeps me out. <laughs> I, I have a lot of respect for this scene, actually, because this would be a prime time. Uh, film editors love to have a way of making you think you saw something really grotesque when you didn't. Um, the guy getting his ear chopped off in Reservoir Dogs comes to mind. Uh, there's uh, countless other examples of times where, because of the editing, you think you saw something gross, but you didn't actually. You see something gross oh, in this scene. Yes. You see the knife go into a guy's stomach, and you watch him get carved up like a turkey, and then you see his intestines slithering around. This was the first moment in this movie where I was like, oh, this movie's kind of <laughs> fucked up, actually. And it's a, it's, a, it's a really interesting moment. And again, this movie has a way of explaining some things, and then it'll throw a scene like this in. Like, okay, we explained this one thing over here, but what about this guy's fucked up intestines? What do you think about that? And it'll ask as many questions as it answers and it serves the pacing of it really well i agree and that's one of the things i love about this film is that it continues to ask questions and it doesn't really wait around too much for the audience to follow along there's not a lot of dumb exp exposition there's not a lot of explaining of what's going on and that's the kind of movie i love i love them i love filmmakers and i love movies that anticipate or want their audiences to pay attention and to be smart and not to dumb it down for the general audiences and it's one of the reasons why paramount didn't have a lot of faith in this movie i don't know if you guys know this but it was actually only given a three-week release and then yes. the rights yeah. and the rights were then the international rights were sold to netflix this movie was on netflix in, in all the international markets less than a month after it was released in theaters because yeah. paramount had no faith that this would find an audience and i can understand why this movie as shitty and as pretentious as it is to say this movie is too smart for a lot of people hmm well, and again, it's part of the reasons why you have to watch it so many times. Because, like, even watching it fifth time, you're still picking up things that you're like, "Wow, I just noticed that," and it makes sense in other scenes. And it's, but again, like, I love movies that you have to think and you do have to watch a few times because it's also super gratifying once you realize what's going mm -hmm. on. You're like, "Holy shit, that's fucking awesome!" Yeah, I, I do like the way this movie's paced, and a yeah. lesser movie 
would have had one layman in the group. Yeah, like, Natalie, absolutely. Natalie yeah. Portman would have just been the soldier, and then they would have had some other biologist be like, oh, the it's mutating your, or it's refracting your genetics, and then Natalie Portman would have a line like, speak English, doc. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> a lesser director could have dumbed this movie absolutely. a lot. They could have dumbed it down a lot, but they didn't. They respected their audience, and uh, that's why it barely recouped its budget. Yeah. <laughs> This is the kind of movie that is going to appeal to a very niche audience, but the, those people that it that this movie is made for, these are the they're gonna love it. This is the kind of movie I think that in time we're gonna look back upon and revere, much like Blade Runner. This is this is a science. This is a, this has the potential to be a science fiction masterpiece, in my opinion, and it's it's just ahead of its time and I've, unfortunately it's too smart for the common folk and that's super shitty and super pretentious of me to say but I don't give a fuck because it's the way I feel we should have a new tagline for the show like Samuel and Manuel smarter than everyone <laughs> hard, that's definitely hard. how you gain viewers yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry. The, key is, the key is to insult people yeah. no, yes. obviously not uh, but the scene itself is done extremely well. Watching the women watch this video, and it is done really well. Watching the knife slide into this man's gut, cut open that little viewfinder that they make into his stomach, and they open it up, and you see those intestines slithering around inside him. I remember the first time watching this going, what the fuck? <laughs> and then yeah. the second time I was watching it, I knew it was coming, and I was still like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's an incredibly well done scene that just like you said Sam it just asks more questions like what is going on here and uh, when they find that corpse basically kind of I don't know absorbed or mutated into the wall itself it was disturbing I won't lie it was fucking disturbing yeah, completely agreed kind of um, reminded me um, I don't know if anyone here has seen uh, the TV show Hannibal no um, it kind of reminds me, like, um, that film, the, the TV series that came from it is, uh, it's filmed really beautifully and the way that like all of the deaths are like the, what he does with the bodies afterwards, he makes them into like beautiful, like artful masterpieces. And it's like taking something from death. And I like that just super reminded me of like, there's this guy who got his guts ripped out of him. Um, but then he's like muralized on this wall in this strange area that's interesting yeah i I can't i can't say i've seen the tv show hannibal so i can't comment on that but yeah i think i watched i think i watched both the first three or four episodes and that's as far as i got yeah um that night a mutated bear drags cassie away ventress insists on continuing to the lighthouse lena guesses correctly that ventress is secretly dying of cancer and wants to solve the shimmer before she dies lena lies to anya and josie saying that Following Ventress is actually a safer route home. As they continue, Lena discovers Cassie's mutilated corpse. Right, so the first bear attack, um, again, I, I got a pretty nasty jump scare at this part. Um, and the bear just kind of comes out of nowhere and uh, drags Cassie away. Um, they, Ventress and uh, Lena have a pretty interesting conversation leading up to that part. Uh, and it's sort of implied that Kane had told Ventress previously about Lena's indiscretions, about her cheating on her husband, which, as far as I know, uh, isn't known to the audience at this point. Not quite. Like you yeah, kind it's of. It's been hinted at. You. I don't think you. You don't know yet that she 
cheated. I don't think you know yet that she like cheated. Right. Yeah. That it was while yeah, I'm they trying. were still no, together. No, I'm pretty like, sure that it they wasn't do. After that he had gone on his expedition or something at the very least. But... No, I'm pretty sure we're aware of it. The the plot synopsis earlier on says Lena remembers cheating with a married colleague during Kane's missions. Right. We might have just had we might have just had like one visual of them in bed together. Yeah, I think, I, but... because that's the first thing that she sees when she goes. Like, that's what she initially sees when she first goes into the Shimmer. That's, like, what it makes her see is her sleeping with this guy. Right. Um, but it's not explained yeah. quite who he is. Yeah. Well, Re- it is, yeah. but... Re- regardless, this conversation yeah. uh, between Ventress and Lena, uh, you can definitely see Ventress having the other hand, which is or, which is why I kind of I kind of wanted their relationship to be a little bit more adversarial, because they have a lot of conversations like this where... Uh, Ventress just seems to have the upper hand and she has information and she's a really smart interesting character and I feel like her and Lena's relationship could have been a lot more interestingly fleshed out it's one of the things that I think this movie's lacking a little bit we do get conflict between the team members uh, in an upcoming scene but it's sort of short-lived and I would have liked to have seen a little bit more turmoil within the group and I think this relationship is one of the missed opportunities for that I did really love this conversation though when they're they're ta- when she's kind of talking about like her um, the difference between like a going on a suicide mission versus being self-destructive and yes that's kind of the biggest explanation that you'll kind of get I think at least towards a lot one of the biggest themes of this film um, and I do like that they that it was it was a subtle enough conversation that you don't necessarily pick up on it right away mm-hmm. but um, the more you watch it the more you're like oh shit yeah. Yeah, that's, well, it's that's like, what this movie's about. Cool. <laughs> it's like Manny pointed out earlier, yeah. right? Like the with a lot of things in this movie, yeah. with with the plot, uh, with the themes especially, uh, Alex Garland has a way of oh, not beating absolutely. you over the head well, with it. Exactly. Yeah. He, uh, he he'll slip it into the store for you to discover. Ex Machina is very similar. You'll learn when you watch. Um, but he has a way of just having. He has a lot of subtext in his movies, and it's not made explicit in a lot of parts. And this is one of them. The the themes of self-destruction in this movie. Uh, there's a conversation between, I forget the other person's name, I think it's Shepard. Uh, Lena and Shepard, when they're in the canoe together yeah. and they're talking about how all of them have self-destructive tendencies and they're running away from something, there's a lot of this stuff that's uh, almost entirely in the subtext uh, and it's it's difficult to sort of dissect, even, like you yeah. said, on a third, fourth, yeah. fifth viewing, whatever. Well, I also love with that is she also... Ventress also talks to Lena about how, um, like, self-destruction's coded in our DNA. Because there's mm-hmm. a really good line at the beginning of the film where she's talking, when she's talking with um, Kane, when Lena's talking with Kane, yes. about how um, people think that aging is a natural process, but it's actually a fault in our DNA that we keep, you know, we keep, our genes kind of keep multiplying until eventually it just, like, the aging process tires us out too much and then we right. die from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I super love that, you know, so like, regardless of if it's mental or physical, that self-destruction comes from within us either way. Yeah. No, I definitely see what you're saying. And um, it's a nice lead in. It's sort of funny how just when this conversation is getting to the peak, that's when, you know, the yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the fucked up nature of this movie because you have the you have the smart point where we talk we have this really deep philosophical conversation about self-destruction and then this super awesome bear comes and fucks people <laughs> up and uh and we get some some cool violence this movie definitely has something for everyone yeah the bear in mm-hmm. this scene um when i first saw it and actually even the second time i saw it the second time i 
I didn't I didn't get the jump scare either time when I watched oh, this really? movie. I, I saw <laughs> something happening kind of coming a mile away. Um, mm. So I didn't it didn't really scare me. Not that it wasn't scary. I just I was like I I know that someone's getting taken here. The thing is, is that I never. I, I wish I, I, honestly, I wish I kind of paid a little bit more attention the second time during the scene because I knew it was coming. So I was like, eh, eh. I never saw it. The the first time I actually thought it was a wolf, of some sort. I didn't even. I not even. You could have bet me a million dollars. I wouldn't have said it was a bear, yeah. a mutated bear. It didn't look like a bear to me. In that, you only get a a brief glimpse of it. And I, it never occurred to me that it was a bear. Um, other than that, yeah, the conversation is, is done really well. Um, it still is, even though, like I said, it didn't scare me, but that's only because of my own. It's because you're so tough, man. No, oh, <laughs> fucking no, I am not, not at all, at all. I just kind of, I, I saw it coming and I was prepared for it. Most of the other times, I don't see them coming, and I scream like a little bitch. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it, it's a well-done scene. The I found it odd when Lena goes off on her own to go find the corpse. They know that something's out there, and I think it's Anya that volunteers to go with her. And she's like, I go alone. And I was like, that makes n- no sense. There's small little... I don't, like plot holes, but the big one for me for this movie, and it re- the movie itself reinforces it, is these women uh, go into the shimmer without hazmat suits, and yet yeah, when she's being interviewed, they're in hazmat suits. Well, now, and I think I get it for a filmmaker. These women wearing hazmat suits for the whole film is shitty. That that's visually uninteresting and incredibly restrictive on the things that they can do. But that's it's just a, it's a minor point, a minor point, and I don't really care that much. I'm like, but these women are scientists. Three years, nobody's come out except for one person. Don't think you're going in without hazmat suits. And yeah, if you're that's... not, and if you're going in without them, why the fuck are you interviewing her with them on? No, it makes perfect sense. I'm curious. There, there must be something in the book about that, no? Or... Uh, not, no. Not, not really? really. <laughs> no, I got, uh, I got nothing. The the minute details of the book are a little lost because it's been a little while since I've read it. Yeah, for sure. It's a, um, it's a, it's, like I said, it's a minor quibble. It doesn't bother me. It's no, just it doesn't ruin the movie or anything. To be, to be entirely fair, you know if they did have some sort of protective gear on, we'd have some stupid scene later where one of them just, like, randomly takes off their helmet to show that they're a total badass, and then they all shed their hazmat suits, and we'd be right back where we started anyway. Oh, yeah. I, I get it. Like, as a visual medium, these women wearing hazmat suits for the whole film sucks. Like, <laughs> it, would, it would suck to film it. It would suck to look at it. It would restrict their movements. It would restrict their view of their faces. The visual of the shimmer wouldn't be as good with them walking around in those big fucking yellow suits. I get it, 100%. Why they, for a filmmaker's perspective, and for the movie's sake, I know why they didn't. But if you look at it from uh, a scientific purpose, there is zero reason why you would go into this without something on. 
Alex Garland, if you're listening, Manny thinks he can do your job better than you. Uh, he's, he's calling you out, I think is what I'm hearing. That's right. <clears throat> I'm so sure he's listening. He must be one Absolutely. of the 18. Why wouldn't he be? Yeah. him. I think there's a, there's a variety of people that we've shouted out on the show that are definitely <laughs> listening. I think uh, lots of movies. I think Daniel Day-Lewis has been shouted out. Uh, I think I apologize for disrespecting him and not calling him Sir Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> Good old Dan Apologies Lewis. again, Daniel. <laughs> first name basis? Yeah, first name basis. We're cool. I call him Dan. The group finds human-shaped plants. Josie realizes the shimmer scrambles all information. It refracts light and radio waves, which scrambles communications, and creates hybrids by scrambling and mixing DNA. The team realizes the shimmer is changing their bodies, and Lena's microscope shows their cells dividing into new forms. So, uh, yeah, the scene of them finding the plants in the shapes of human is sort of strange. I do like how it acts as a setup for later when uh, a character who's, whose name I forget. Um, Reddick. Reddick, yeah, when, when she ends up voluntar essentially voluntarily refracting into a plant. Um, it, it sort of acts as a setup for that scene. But I feel like this, the time period between the two bear attacks sort of, uh, legs, maybe just a touch. Uh, there's not a whole lot going on in these scenes. And with a movie as complicated as this, you're going to have scenes of exposition. You're going to have scenes of people just talking around, or, or excuse me, sitting around talking about what exactly is going on. But I don't know. For some reason, I sort of tuned out at this point. Maybe that's just me. I actually found this scene really... Um, I found this scene really beautiful, especially the scene where she does go and she kind of does become a plant and I loved it especially because it's this woman who has been battling um, depression and suicidal thoughts and you can see the scars on her arms and I found it really beautiful that she kind of left the world with an impression that the like that the the plants and the flowers came from her and she left this beautiful statue of herself. That aspect of it, I like. I, I don't know if we're there yet because we haven't gotten to Are the ghost yet? bear, right? No, like we're, we're not there yet. It's when they first discover. This is oh, when they first right. discover. Yeah, right. Sorry. I do agree Sorry. with you. I see where we are. I, yeah, I, I, I like. Lost. I like yeah. this scene purely as a setup. Yeah, but the scene in and of itself uh, of them just uh, sitting around explaining why the plants look like people uh, just lags slightly for me. I don't know if you uh, have any thoughts on that, but I do agree with you. Yeah. The, the later scene that we'll we'll get to. Uh, encompasses a lot of the themes of this movie very well. I think one thing I did kind of like about that part though as well is it um there's like there's no there's no people in this yeah. area. So I kind of like that it, you know, it, it 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 was the it was the shimmer's impersonation of having civilians yeah. in its no, world. That makes sense. I kind of liked that visual I, aspect of it. Do you think that some of these plant-shaped humans cuz when they discovered them Lena says they grew like this? Do you think that she's wrong about that? Do you think that some of these actually were people? Uh, I wonder if some of them might have been, like, yeah. from the past expeditions. Mm -hmm. But I also super love the... Um, I don't know if they get to it in this part or if it's the next part. Um, but I love when they're explaining that... I think it is the next part. I'm going to say it anyway. Um, <laughs> they're explaining that they have... Um, the hawks cells in yeah, the plants. Yeah. I thought that was really cool, and I, I loved I think that. That's, I think that's this part. Yeah. I loved the I loved the idea behind that and how that's that like, you know, and I think that they probably started off as people, and because people became the plants, mm -hmm. they were able to get those kind of hawks genes from the people, and then able to grow their own plants from that. Yeah. That's kind of how that 
sprouted over my head but sounds fascinating <laughs> sounds very fascinating <laughs> talking to a huge biology nerd right now <laughs> yeah kinese major right kinese major yeah nice mm. um <clears throat> Anya becomes unstable after watching her fingerprints change. When she finds Kane's picture in Lena's pendant, Anya ties up her teammates and accuses Lena of murdering Cassie. She almost kills Lena, but hears Cassie screaming. The screams actually come from the mutant bear that killed Cassie, which took on her voice. The bear kills Anya before Josie frees herself and shoots it dead. This is the highlight of the movie for me. Yeah, this scene was fucking insane. <laughs> so diehard fans of the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast <laughs> will know that at, at the very least, I chose this as my favorite action scene of 2018. Uh, Manny, it was definitely a nominee for you, right? Oh, it was a nominee, yeah. It didn't win. Yeah. It's, just an, it's an honor to have even been nominated. Yes. It lost to Mission Impossible, didn't it? <laughs> sure did. Nice. <laughs> well done. Yeah, holy shit. <laughs> Jordan's better at Samuel Manuel movie podcast trivia than I am. That's impressive. Well, you suck at trivia. I do. That's factual. I went to Friends trivia the other night at a local bar. Did not do well at all. And I love Friends. Um, this movie, or sorry, not this movie. This scene is spectacular. There is another scene uh, that we haven't gotten to yet that I love uh, almost as much as this one. But this one is, for me, the highlight of the film. And one of the most tension-filled and creepiest scenes I've seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. The I've they call him a mutant bear in here. I've been calling him a ghost bear. I've heard him referred to as nightmare bear. Whatever yeah. you want. Yeah, I call him ghost bear. Mm -hmm. What's he referred to in the book as, or is he in the book? So, it's kind of in the book, but it's not a bear. It's 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 an it's a very poorly described creature. Gotcha. <laughs> it's not really a bear. It doesn't. It's different. So it's it's, not... it's intentionally vague, so as to sort of heighten the mystery. Kind of, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, right. I have. I actually the uh, the visual effects crew actually had a name for this bear. Would you like to hear a little piece of trivia on that? I would love to hear a piece of trivia. Awesome. In an interview with EW.com, Annihilation visual effects super supervisor Andrew Whitehurst said that they gave the horrific mutated bear creature from the movie a name. Whitehurst, Whitehurst served as the VFX supervisor at Visual Effects House Double Negative when the company worked on the movie Paddington, which is about a talking bear. Hold on. Whitehurst said Paddington is a very nice bear named after Paddington Station in London, which is a very elegant Victorian station. So they named the mutant bear in this film Homerton, which is a slightly <laughs> rough-around-the-edges station in East London. The bear's name is Homerton. Jordan has many roots in the UK, and I, I can hear her hysterical laughter beside me right now. Station's very close to another dodgy one called uh, East Ham. So, so what, bear... is, what is the name of, of the bear then? Sorry, I missed Homerton. 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 Okay, yeah. gotcha. <laughs> so when, Hol when Homerton attacks, this was, this was tension-filled. This, this scene is filmed expertly. It's similar... Well, no, that's a spoiler for Ex Machina. Never mind. So, Alex Garland is very good at both writing, and there's a lot of there's some great tension moments at the end of Ex Machina. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. His, abil think, yeah. his ability to to build tension is fantastic, and yes. that's and that's on full display in some of his other writing credits, including Sunshine and Twenty Eight Days Later. 
Are you referring specifically to what tension-filled scene, like the razor blade scene in that Ex Machina? That would be one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's a good one, yeah. Um, this Homerton bear is... <laughs> it was so fucking creepy hearing Cassie's screams. When I first heard the screams, I was like, I was so confused. I was like, I, I'm like, are they hallucinating? But how, mm-hmm. why would they be having a group hallucination? And then when that fucking creature comes in and opens its mouth and you hear Cassie screams, I was like, oh, fucking kudos to you. That's the shit of nightmares yeah. right yeah. there. And that was, you know, and then I went and changed my shorts. Yeah. And went back to watching the movie. Yeah, my jaw was definitely on the ground during that entire scene. Yeah. Much like, uh, I believe it's Gina Rodriguez's character, whose jaw is literally on the ground at the end. Yeah, of, yeah. Is, She gets yeah. her fucking mouth ripped yeah. off like the chick from The Grudge. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's some messed up uh, imagery hey, in this movie. Spoilers for The Grudge, jerk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's been like a hundred years since The Grudge came out. I'm surprised I just pulled out a classic horror movie reference <laughs> out of actually. my ass. Like, I haven't seen The Grudge in years. Anyway, yeah, the uh, the ghost bear scene and or Homerton bear and or Paddington bear. Um... We we talked about the scene at length, I think, in our in our awards episode. But I'll I'll reiterate that even before the bear shows up in the scene, it's a really well constructed scene. Uh, you have, um, is it Anya? Is it, uh, yeah. yeah, Anya. Um, she really does a really good job of portraying that she uh, is losing her mind a little bit, and this. Uh, what Manny pointed out earlier with Lena going off on her own to see if Shepard um, was dead. While that seems cheap at the time, that is sort of pays off here with Anya being um, understandably uh, not trustful of uh, Lena and Ventress. So uh, this scene has been set up for a lot of the movie. Anya, it's been kind of established that she's been increasingly uh, mistrustful of the rest of her crew and the chills that go down my spine when she says, are you going to cut me open? Or if you tie me to a chair and cut me open, are my insides going to move like that? But I'm not the one tied to a chair. Yes. I just, <laughs> fuck. That chills even talking about that. It's such a well-written line. And then right at that moment, you hear Shepard's scream. Fuck. It's a, such a well-constructed scene. And it's, uh, it's very, very tension-filled. And I'm biting my nails the entire time. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah heart, yeah, heart pounded the entire time that scene was going on. Yeah, fuck. All, all five times? All five times. Nice. Yeah, and it, it, yeah, it, it's still creepy as fuck the fifth time you've seen this film. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't get better. <laughs> and really a tip of the cap to Gina Rodriguez uh, yeah. as, as Anya. And, and I, I haven't watched her show, uh, Jane the Virgin, I think it's called. Um, so I don't know how good she is and what – I would have to assume that this role is a huge departure from that show. Um, she, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But uh, she is really good uh, in this scene. Leading up to it, her role in the movie is adequate at best. There's not. She doesn't really have much to do prior to this scene. There is some nice buildup, but there's, she doesn't have a lot of character moments. But this is where she knocks it out of the park. And I just want to give her a definite shout-out for her performance during this scene because that shudder-inducing line that you said, Sam, is, again, just one of the many reasons that this scene uh, was nominated for a Sampa. And one. And one a Sampa. And one a Sampa. 
arguably the more important of the two. <laughs> you could argue it. You'd be wrong, but you could argue it. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Ventress leaves, desperate to reach the lighthouse. Josie believes Cassie's dying mind was refracted into the bear and allows herself to refract into a human-shaped plant to avoid a similar fate. This is what you were touching on, yeah. Jordan. This is this is one of my favorite scenes of the film, just for what it for what it means and for mm -hmm. what it resembles. I just think it's I think it's beautifully done, and it's a really good character moment. Um, for Reddick, and I, I loved it so much. Yeah, I, I agree. So much. I already said a lot about it. But... Yeah. Of course, yeah. Bear's repeating. Bear, huh? Oh, fun. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have any. I don't really have anything to add about this scene. Uh, I think it uh, thematically works very well for the movie, yeah. and is a, uh, I guess, sort of a change of pace given the gruesome deaths we've seen yeah. so far. But it's uh, it's sort of refreshing, I guess, uh, thematically in the movie to see. Uh, a death like this one. Well, I think it really does. Isn't it? Isn't it that uh, Shepard uh, tells uh, Lena that uh, uh, Reddick has been self-harming? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. When so, they're when they're in the canoe together, yeah. uh, she is going down the laundry list of everyone's uh, sort of dirty laundry, I guess. Yeah. But so I think yeah. Reddick allowing herself to have a more peaceful or perhaps beautiful death. Um, isn't uh, I'm sorry. Isn't she a botanist of some sort as well? Uh, no, she's a physicist. physicist. Right. Sorry. Um, uh, I think her seeing the ability or the option to become one of those, I guess, for lack of a better word, flower people, uh, allows her to go out without, without, I guess, for lack of a better word, desecrating her body, and it is a beautiful way for her to leave. I guess the shimmer or to end up in the shimmer, however you want to call it. It's a, it is a nice moment and, and a great little, uh, end to, uh, to Reddick's story. Uh, Lena reaches the lighthouse inside. She finds an incinerated corpse, a video camera and a hole in the ground. The camera footage shows Kane urging the cameraman to find Lena before committing suicide with a grenade. When the cameraman steps into frame, he is inexplicably, Kane's doppelganger. Okay, so this is where the movie really starts getting into mind-bending territory. Uh, it's revealed that, um, well, I mean, it's already been revealed that the uh, the Shimmer is creating duplicates of things as well as mutating them. Um, but this is the first time we've seen something of this magnitude happen to a human. And I, I don't know about you guys, but my immediate thought seeing Kane number two after Kane number one uh, burns to death, after seeing Kane number two walk into frame, it was a little bit of a jolt to me. It was like, a, oh shit, that's why he was so disoriented when, <laughs> yeah. when he showed at the beginning of the movie. And that's just one of the many questions throughout this movie that yeah. you're waiting a long time to have answered. Um, of course, we don't even know if that is the real Kane, but that moment of Kane number two stepping into camera is another like chills moment, at least for me. No, absolutely. It was... Uh... And it was really well done as well. The fact that you know you meet you meet Kane at the beginning, um, and you you know immediately something super off about him, but you're not totally sure what it is. But you know he has no fucking idea where he is or what he's doing. One of the many things is that he's vomiting blood. I'd say that's yeah. at least one thing well, that's wrong yeah. with him. Yeah. Um, but that you also kind of find out that his job is just to kind of find Lena, 
Mm-hmm. Right. That's what he's left with. Go find Lena. And so that's what he does. He's like, I don't know where I was, but I'm supposed to find you. And I love I loved that that got explained at the end a little bit with the scene. But yeah, seeing that there were two of them, that was wild. So do we know how Kane got back home after uh, after being in the Shimmer? Is that no. explained at no. any point? No. I, I, not that it's particularly important. I just, you know, I, I mean, this is a, a Shimmer that combines different entities DNA I I can suspend my disbelief just a little bit and be like yeah just send him home but well and I I think part of it is that because he is so much a part of the shimmer himself that he was able to kind of work within his environment and it would have been easier for him to get out okay for him to just leave yeah that's fair because he also probably had at least you know they there's maybe he went back to like where they were and tried to like find how they got there or something like he was able to find we don't know what all the conversations he had with his with yeah. real Kane and how all that. Yeah, there's there's a lot left open ended yeah. in that sort of yeah. regard, and it doesn't harm the movie. No. It, it's not like the the hazmat suit yeah. things where like, oh, they didn't acknowledge that. Like that's kind of dumb. Yeah. It's like, oh, they didn't acknowledge it. It just wasn't really important. Yeah, you didn't need so, to. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I love the look of the lighthouse. I love. Mm-hmm. I already mentioned at the beginning the shimmer uh, when it first appears in the opening title card. Uh, that's a really beautiful shot. Yeah. And then the look of the lighthouse is great. Um, the look of the inside in particular, even though on the inside it sort of kind of looks like a butthole in the ground. Uh, <laughs> outside of that, I think the look of the lighthouse is really creepy. There's a lot of stuff that just isn't explained. Like there's some yeah. crystallized trees that doesn't really make sense with what they were mm-hmm. talking about. But they don't spend a lot of time bogging down the movie and explaining Every well, single detail of the shimmer, like, right? If you like, explained every weird thing you saw, this movie would be, like, yeah. hours long. It would be a series. Not worth it, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree with you there. And yeah. not the point, either. No, completely. Agree. Watching uh, uh, Kane incinerate himself with a photon grenade was unpleasant. Yeah. Uh, and yes. Definitely unpleasant. Or I, I just kind of hope that he died quickly. That's all. I just didn't want him to be painful. That's all I kept thinking. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, I really hope that didn't hurt. <laughs> uh, and I'm then, sure and then the duplicate cane stepping into frame. Same thing. It was kind of like a, oh motherfucker, <laughs> kind of moment. One um, thing else that's really interesting about that scene though is if you listen to the like the real cane talking, he gets into like this really weird like super southern accent that he totally doesn't have through the rest of the film and i think a lot of that has to do with like one like the shimmer has a really weird effect on you and and it's it's changing your genetics already he had no idea realistically he didn't know who he was he didn't know where he was so i think he probably maybe he even like it was like a thing if he used to have a really thick accent and then he kind of lost it as wherever he lives now could be yeah he could have been like reverting to a past self but i just found it super interesting that he just had this really weird like almost higher pitch but really like south accent kind of all of a yeah. sudden at the end there. I, I'd like to believe it's all of those things instead of just him splitting his time with Star Wars and not really having time to work out a cohesive accent. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go with your explanation <laughs> instead. I like that better. I like that one too. Yeah. Lena descends into the hole and finds Ventress. Ventress says something is inside her, but she cannot tell what it is or whether it wants anything. Ventress then disintegrates into a shimmering cloud that absorbs a drop of blood from Lena's face and changes into a humanoid being. Lena attacks it and leaves the hole, but the figure teleports outside. It switches between copying Lena's movements and attacking her. Just as the humanoid shapeshifts into Lena, Lena tricks it into igniting one of Kane's leftover grenades. 
burning, the bean sets the lighthouse ablaze as Lena flees. The shimmer dissipates. Yeah, so a large portion... That, that covers a that decent amount of time in this movie, <laughs> considering the length of the previous paragraphs. Uh, but a large portion of the end of this movie is completely silent, without dialogue. Mm -hmm. uh, all you hear is the sort of synth score that's playing in the background and is really sci-fi, futurist uh, sort of sound. Um, but yeah, the movie's almost entirely silent from this point out, right after Ventress barfs up the space goo. Um is the technical terminology, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, when she first walks in, and this is a really chilling line from Jennifer Jason Lee, when she says the line, I don't know what it wants or if it wants, it almost sort of reminds me, it's probably obscure is the wrong word. It's sort of a weird connection to make, but I first thing I think of with the villain in this movie is like the Joker. The Joker <laughs> is a good villain because you don't know what he wants because he has like really no motivation. He just... To yeah. quote Michael Caine, he just wants to see the world burn. That's the reason I think why the aliens in this movie are so creepy is because they have no apparent reason for being there. They can't be reasoned with. They can't be bartered with. They, they're just gonna fuck people's genetics up no matter what, right? Like that is sort of why they're creepy for me. I have almost the exact same note in here. Um, yeah. I super love first contact um, stories when they're done differently. Like more often than not in sci-fi, first contact stories is oh look, it's an alien. It wants to kill us. Yeah. Um, and I love that this one, because, you know, whatever the shimmer really is and the, the creature within and the, the alien, I guess, it doesn't it doesn't come with malice. It doesn't come to destroy. It doesn't have a real mission, um, but it is still at the same time, at the very least, antagonizing to humanity. Yeah. And it's something that we still have to deal with, but it's not necessarily done with a malicious intent. And I love that. Yeah. And traditionally in alien movies, to sort of backpack off that, we sort of have a tendency to not think outside the box when it comes to what an alien's motivation yeah. could be. Like, we sort of project our own uh, intentions on aliens when, when we're writing them in movies. Like, what does an alien want every time it wants to come to the planet? Oh, it wants to invade and it wants to take all our resources. Like... What do humans do every time they discover a new race of people? Well, they're, they're not particularly kind. And that discover should be in air quotes here. As Manny raises his arms above his head. You're still here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I really love the creative route they went with. Sort of not giving the aliens a motivation. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it it's sort of strange to even say that out loud. Because a lot of the time, the best villains are the ones where you completely understand you just disagree with their methodology but for what this conclusion was trying to be i think this direction is equally as effective personally the the humanoid shape the i guess for lack of a better word the dance choreography between it and lena was yeah. spectacular oh absolutely that was so cool and this is where a lot of people are drawing on this scene as a metaphor for depression because depression will mirror the things you do uh, and stay with you but the moment you try to escape it it will smother you and that moment when it has her pinned up against the door and the more she fights it the harder it presses and the camera moves in on her face and she is incapable of doing a thing was difficult to watch and again, that's just a tip of the cap to Alex Garland. And like I said, I'm very excited about this man's future in film if studios are going to give him a chance. And yeah. this movie, again, like I said, was a financial failure. But Netflix, I, Netflix will probably throw him some money and, and 
unfortunately we won't be able to see his next movie in theaters most likely I really like the way that the camera pushes right into uh, Natalie Portman's face and right into yeah. her eyes in this moment as, as she's being pressed up against the door. It becomes very, very claustrophobic for very. you, the viewer, and it, it does a really good job of putting you in her mindset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My only, The only quibble I have with this is uh, when she does ignite the humanoid being with the phosphor it wasn't a photon grenade it was a phosphor yeah it was a phosphorus grenade yeah phosphor not a photon star trek nerd in me slipped out there for a second i apologize (laughs) say that's your captain marvel talk going (laughs) yeah yeah oh yeah photon blaster right and actually the star trek nerd in me got excited because uh jordan a a little moment ago you said i like first contact i was like you like the movie first contact yes (laughs) incorrect but but then you continue with your sentence i was like okay don't nerd out just let her go Um, I was just confused as to why, when this being dies, the all of Shimmer dies, but Kane didn't. Well, it, because, I because so when when the Shimmer, when when Natalie Portman leaves the the grenade in the other Natalie Portman's hands, <laughs> it's destroying the Shimmer, right? So when Oscar Isaac. Yeah, but you see, you see all those trees and everything within the shimmer. Yeah, die. I think. Yeah, I think what because, she's trying to yeah. saying is that she's destroying the mirror image <laughs> of Natalie Portman, whereas Oscar Isaac was destroying Oscar Isaac. Yeah, like no, the no, no. human Oscar Isaac's the one who got, who died in the first one, and so it was just him. And while he might have had part of the shimmer in him, he wasn't of shimmer. Whereas the the Natalie Portman that got, you know, the the one that was a part of, the one that got you know blown up or whatever i'm not was I'm not, was I'm not, of the shimmer so it took down the entire thing and i'm gonna there's i have a point that i'm gonna get to later about that okay man is shaking his head vigorously he is <laughs> no i i'm just cu- when the when that humanoid being when lena 2.0, 2.0. dies i'm assuming that kane 2.0 was created the same way Am I incorrect right. in that assumption? No, it seems, no. seems logical. Okay, so when Lena 2.0 dies, is killed by the phosphorus grenade, the entire shimmer dies. Right. So you're saying Kane, whole, you're saying yeah. you're saying Kane 2.0 should have died as well. Right. Everything in but the I shimmer died when she did. So why did Kane 2.0 not as well? That's because there's a boundary, right? The shimmer is encompassed by a boundary that it affects, and while the boundary's growing at this time. Kane 2.0 is not within the boundary of the Shimmer. He is now in the Earth human world. He's outside of the boundary of the Shimmer. So it's not like it destroyed everything that the Shimmer could have been a part of. It destroyed that specific ecosystem of Shimmer. And, well, I mean, again, we're sort of of getting into... If if Kane died outside the Shimmer, Kane 2.0, who is basically the same thing as Lena 2.0, he's just outside the Shimmer boundaries, what would the repercussions have been then? And if there's no a con- if, and if there's a connection between Lena 2.0 and the Shimmer, then why can Kane 2.0 exist outside the Shimmer? That's what I'm getting at. Like there's some type of connection between the entire Shimmer and Lena 2.0, and she dies, and all of the Shimmer dies. So that rationale to me makes no sense as how something can, that is coming from the Shimmer can exist outside the Shimmer. If you die inside the Shimmer, the entire Shimmer dies. 
You said the word shimmer a lot yeah. there, by the way. <laughs> I think a part of that as well, though, is, like, because Kane 2.0, like, they both share genetic resemblance with, they both, like, share the same genetics as humans as well as whatever the shimmer is, right? So I think that allows them to exist kind of inside and outside the shimmer. The reason why it affects, like, if, I think if Kane had died outside of the Shimmer, nothing else would have happened. It just would have been Kane 2.0 died. But I think because Lena 2.0 dies within the Shimmer, and she's, she connects herself to it, and I, I think she does it on purpose. I think the reason why she goes and affects other parts, she does that on purpose. So, and we're gonna, I'm, I am going to touch on that, because there's a lot of little things that kind of play around with that as well. There, it's sort of interesting that the opposite of what you guys are debating right now is sort of what happens. Like, Manny's sort of asking, why doesn't Kane die? But another related question is, why does Kane 2.0 get better, right? Because he's in critical condition in this facility, and he actually, he doesn't die. He, that's true, he, he, he does improves get his condition. Yeah. So that's, that's sort of uh, an interesting thing in and of itself, too. I don't know if either of you have any I thoughts guess. on that. Yeah. None. It didn't make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> well put. It's science fiction. It's not supposed to make sense. Exactly. Well, I mean, <laughs> you, you look at look at the end of 2001 A Space Odyssey, right? <laughs> if you've seen 2001 A Space Odyssey, there are interviews of Stanley Kubrick that exist that explain the ending of it, but good luck figuring out what the fuck happens <laughs> at the end of that movie on your first watch. Yeah. That is a very abstract, weird ending that doesn't have a lot of explanation, and I think... Oh, again, Kubrick, we, we a talk, Kubrick we talk... film without explanation. What a shock. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, f I forgot what a big fan of Stanley Kubrick Manny is. Um, but I think we already sort of touched on the fact that a lot of the really in-depth science-y explanations in this movie isn't really what it's about, right? It's a lot of this stuff, like, we, I don't think we have to care why Kane manages to find his way out of the shimmer and show up on uh, Natalie Portman's doorstep. And I don't think we really have to care about why uh, the shimmer collapses and uh, Kane 2.0 is still alive. I don't think the mechanics of it are really what's important, which is a total cop-out answer. <laughs> I know that we want surefire explanations and everything, but that's sort of the truth. Yeah. The truth is that it really doesn't matter all that much, in my opinion. So in a way, you're both right. <laughs> I don't. I. I honestly, it's it's not it's not a huge problem because I thoroughly enjoyed this film. There's just, like I said, some minor parts that I had a problem with. This just mm. happened to be one of them. But I didn't really, I didn't even think of that until the second viewing. No, that's interesting. I honestly, I, I didn't particularly notice it either. No, but I didn't think of it. Something to think about next time I watch this movie, mm. which I definitely will. Absolutely. Was there anything else you want to touch on, Jordan? Or I'm, uh, I'm just about to read the last paragraph. Did you want to save it for then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Lena surmises that the shimmer was not... Maybe I should stop saying shimmer. <laughs> Lena surmises that the shimmer was not intentionally destroying Earth, but merely doing what it does naturally. She is told that Kane recovered rapidly when the shimmer disappeared. Lena visits Kane and asks if he is the real Kane. He replies, I don't think so. He asks if she is Lena, but she does not answer. Kane's doppelganger and Lena embrace, and their irises shimmer. <laughs> they do what, Manny? <laughs> shimmer. They shimmer. That's right. 
Uh, you've been you've been dying to make a point, Jordan, for several paragraphs now, and Manny and I have rambled on. So <laughs> the floor is yours for any uh, for any sort of analysis you want to insert um, in there. I mean, there's to be fair, there's a there's a lot that we didn't touch on. Yeah. Um, and I think that part of it is because I am such a science nerd, and the other part is because I've seen this movie so many times. That's true. Yeah. Um, that I've just noticed little bits and pieces. Um, but one of the big kind of um things is um, and I don't know if you guys were gonna touch on it. Um, if you guys noticed that. When Lena's in the interview stage, she has a tattoo on yes. her arm that she doesn't have um, when she's in the place. When she's in, <laughs> when she's in the shimmer, um, or at least that we don't see eventually. And so there's actually there's a there's a scene where she's on um, when she's talking with uh, on the boat. Yeah, she's got a bruise. And she's right? got a she's bruise, got a bruise on, her on her forearm. Yeah. And then you don't see your forearm again since. Um, but what, so what that tattoo is, it's called an Ouroboros and it's, it's essentially, it's, it's an infinity sign of a snake, snake eating itself. Yes. yes. And it just, it, and it signifies that, you know, from destruction comes creation from death becomes creation, kind of something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's when I say when, when Lena 2.0 tries to destroy, um, the shimmer in its current existence, I think she does that on purpose, um, and I think she does that because she now has these two entities that are, and regardless of whether Lena, the Lena now is Lena or Lena 2.0, she has the shimmer within her, and so now you have these two people outside that can do the work of the shimmer without having to just be enclosed in this ecosystem that it it can kind of now exist elsewhere and in a different form. Right. So that's why I think like she did it on like why the, why it just destroyed the shimmer part. Cause I think she did that on purpose. I think she meant to do that. Right. I can see that point of view. I do not have a counterpoint to that because you have <laughs> thought about this movie much more in depth than I have. I'm um, realizing the shortcomings of uh, the notes that I have taken here. And there's also, there's a few others. So like when, Lena and Kane, there's a little scene where they're sitting on the couch reading to each other. Mm-hmm. Or not reading to each other, but they're sitting and reading. So she's reading the book called The um, Immortal Life of Henrietta Locks. Okay. Um, and if you don't know who Henrietta Locks is, she had uh, cervical cancer um, way back when. I can't remember the exact dates. But um, they were able to, when they were testing her cells, they found this type of immortal cell okay. that kind of helped create... Um, it's called the HeLa cell, and it's it's what um, cured polio. Mm. So she died so that all of these people okay. could live. So mm. the idea of, you know, from death comes life. That's why I love the scene with when Reddick dies from, you know. Right. That's why I love that part so much mm. as well. She just becomes something from death just become something beautiful from death and that's a that's a really common theme in this film how is it that on a podcast with two people i do the third most research out of anyone (laughs) (laughs) well this is great this is all uh i think adds a decent amount to the movie we talk a lot about the small details that that make movies and uh that's my favorite one. Everything from books that are inserted to shots yeah. of tattoos, all of this stuff is obviously intentional, and it's obviously uh, something that the director wants you to discover on your own, which you obviously have. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, excellent research being done, and I feel <laughs> dwarfed. <laughs> I apologize. Don't apologize. Don't I just found a new podcast partner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Hit the brick, Sam. Fuck. Hit the brick, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I guess with that, do you guys think at the end of that, if that is that, is that the real Lena or the fake Lena, and does it actually matter? Uh, that's that's sort of the question, I guess, that the movie's asking. Um, I think it, the movie doesn't necessarily leave it as <laughs> ambiguously as it thinks it does. Yeah. Like, there are some movies with uh, open-ended uh, op- open-ended endings, I guess. Uh, Blade Runner comes to mind, and, uh, you know, even, even a movie as recently, one of my favorites, Whiplash, um, has a pretty open-ended conclusion yeah. to it, and the the point of it is to get the audience to think about it and like and ignore inception's another good example it doesn't yeah. matter whether the top falls or it doesn't what matters is that Cobb is happy yeah. this i don't think it, it falls just shy of being a true open ended ending in my opinion okay. I, I think it's trying to be but it seems pretty clear to me that we have the real lena and the fake yeah. kane not that if, if we just say for the sake of argument that that's not the case yeah. and we don't know who's who, then, you know, that's a perfectly fine ending and it shouldn't yeah. matter. And it, it, you know, will state something about personhood and it'll, it'll state something about the nature of humanity or what have you, um, or whatever interpretation you want to yeah. take on that. But I, I think if there's one shortcoming of this movie is that it tries to have an yeah. open-ended, uh, conclusion it falls just shy for me personally. Totally fair. Yeah. Manny? Okay. <laughs> oh, for me? Okay, I'll go. Yeah, yeah I, go. I believe I believe it's the real Lena, and obviously it's Kane 2.0. Um, mm-hmm. Does it matter, Jordan? I don't think so. I think I, I think what the Shimmer has done is it has one of its own creations, which is Kane 2.0, and a hybrid of humanity and the Shimmer in Lena, and they will continue to go forth and do the Shimmer's work. I guess, for lack no. of a better word. I don't think it matters if it's Lena 2.0 or Lena, but I personally uh, believe that it's Lena. If it's Lena 2.0, that means that the narrator of our film, uh, who's been telling the story to the hazmat people, is now an unreliable unreliable narrator, narrator, Mm -hmm. which means that we have no idea if anything that she told us and anything that we've just now been watching was even true at all, which is part of the reason why I believe it's the original Lena, because... As we were shown at the beginning of the film with Kane 2.0, he doesn't, he only has vague recollections of the original Kane. Where yeah, Lena telling the story has yeah. all the, there's, she, she would be, she's saying things that, according to the rules of what they've set forth, a Lena 2.0 wouldn't know. Yeah, that's one aspect of the mechanics. Yeah, Another one that they true, don't really yeah. explain is that Kane's memory is gone. Uh, and again, it could be because he's not the original Kane. But it's sort of established early that even in the opening scene of the movie with Natalie Portman, they ask her what she knows, what happened to all these people, what happened to Ventress, what happened to Shepard. She doesn't really have answers. So we established pretty early that memory loss is a pretty big uh, consequence of the Shimmer. And then she goes on to recount the entire story in detail, right? So... I think that's just one more aspect of mechanics where, unfortunately, the answer is yeah. it doesn't really matter. Nah. Right? That's, that's just for me. And I think even if you just go just kind of beyond technicalities like that, hmm. um, I think it doesn't matter for the sake that even if it is, whether it's the real, like if it is the real Lena, which I also do think it is, 
um, she's not the same Lena that went into that shimmer. She is beyond being just genetically mutated as you saw anyway. Like, you know that she has it in her anyway. Um, just everything that she's seen and stuff, she's a completely different Lena regardless. So it doesn't matter if it's the shimmer Lena or the real Lena. She's just as affected. I agree. I agree yeah. 100%. So that pretty much wraps up Annihilation. Sam, mm -hmm. closing thoughts. Closing thoughts. I think that as we've established with uh, the variety of conversations we had about this movie in different parts and different themes, this is a thinking person's movie. It's a very interesting movie, very in-depth, lots to dig through. Um, and I, I think I'll continue to rewatch this movie for years. It's incredibly interesting and uh, thought-provoking. It holds your attention. Uh, it's a great-looking movie. A lot of the final you know, 20 or so minutes uh, in The Lighthouse are beautiful, and the CGI is amazing, which we didn't really talk about a whole lot. Um, but the, uh, the CGI in this movie is amazing. The performances are great. Would like a little bit more of Oscar Isaac, but I get that it's not his movie. It's a it's a movie for particularly Natalie Portman, but also the rest of the female cast. Um, the ghost bear scene or Homerton bear scene is uh, one of the best scenes of the last several years in, in film, and it's quite good. I will be continuing to watch Alex Garland's career with great interest. Uh, I really hope he releases something. Did, did we establish if he has anything else uh, coming up, Manny? I can check for you. Uh, I'll, I'll open up his... Uh, I can check on that if uh, maybe you want to give your closing thoughts. Oh, well, I'll let Jordan. Sure. Jordan, right. what do you think about Annihilation? Um, I obviously fucking love this movie. <laughs> um, I think about it probably a little too much. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love it. I think it's super intricate. I love all the little all the little details that were thrown into it that, you know, again, you notice upon third, fourth, fifth, and so on viewing of this film. Um, even just little things of like, when they're in the shimmer and they're in the house, that house is a replica of the house that Lena and Kane live in, in the real world. Yeah. It's reflected back kind of onto her on that. I just love like just the little details of that he put into this film and it's details. I'll say a lot of it is details that you don't get from the book. Right. Right. A lot of this stuff is not in the book. The book is a lot, it's a bit more straightforward. Um, and I mean, obviously you don't get to see the book. So I loved the visual aspect of getting to see all of this stuff come to life, hmm. all of the creatures, all of the wildlife and the, the foliage, the plants, it was the flowers. It was all beautifully done. Um, I thought the casting was really well. I loved, and again, I loved that I got to watch, like I could have used this movie as a, as like a, as a young girl, um, getting to watch a really awesome action filled sci-fi film that has five female leads, um, was, is an absolutely incredible experience as well. Um, so yeah, I absolutely loved, I love this film. And, uh, even if I had a choice, I know I'll definitely be, uh, exploring more of, uh, Garland's work in the future. You absolutely will be. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I really love uh, the way you articulated that, Jordan. It really, it's really nice to see that Hollywood and filmmakers are really starting to diversify their films, their leads, and I love hearing and seeing how they're affecting other people. I've just taken it for granted growing up as a male how much 
Hollywood has just catered to my wants and needs and satisfaction and stuff like that. I didn't really take it into consideration how lacking other people, other genders, other races are. Obviously, uh, as I've mentioned before, I am uh, First Nations. I don't really feel underappreciated in movies, even though we kind of are. You know, we're generally the villains in most old westerns. And then we, uh, you know, we don't even have Dances with Wolves. That's a white boy that comes in and pretends to be us, and he's, he makes us all better. Last of the Mohicans. Last of the Mohicans, you know. But thank you, Sir Daniel Day-Lewis, for, for making you are a better Indian than the other Indians. Um, <laughs> actually, I guess I shouldn't even be calling us Indians. That's a, apparently a racist and offensive term now. Not to me, though. So my podcast, my rules, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Um, but I, I love hearing that this movie really touched you on multiple levels and especially it reached out to you uh, being a female, Jordan. I love hearing that. And like I mentioned in uh, the Captain Marvel episode last week is a couple female friends of mine were really uh, inspired and touched by that movie. And I love that we're starting to get more and more of these kind of films. Uh, a couple of the other podcasts I listen to, one of the le- one of the hosts of the podcast is Asian, and Crazy Rich Asians was like a dream come true for him, uh, to the point where he actually bought out an entire theater and allowed people to come watch for free because he wanted to help promote this film. And then, obviously, with the uh, Black Panther last year, uh, really reaching out and touching the African-American culture, and people of that ethnicity. Um, I, I'm loving that th- this this is happening and stuff like that. Same. <laughs> I'm just still waiting for us white guys to get representation. That's all I want. Yes. You know? I've just been waiting my whole life and I feel like we've really been neglected. Thank you, token white guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah token white guy. That being said, Annihilation is a fantastic film. It is one you really have to pay attention to if you're not paying attention. This isn't something you put on the background kind of watch as you're doing the dishes or doing the laundry. You need to sit down, grab a bowl of popcorn, sit down, hang on for a wild ride. It's a fantastic film, and it's worth paying attention to, and it's worth watching multiple times. Uh, I will definitely be revisiting this movie again from time to time to catch up on the things that I missed and to maybe answer some of the questions that it asks. I love that it doesn't sit around. It doesn't dumb it down. It doesn't make things simple for the audience, and that is a big plus for me. That The the brazenness of the – and I hate to use that word, brazenness, but the brazenness of the filmmaker to do that is a nice, refreshing <sighs> change of pace. I hate how movies have to dumb things down for general audiences and again that sounds super pretentious and super fucking snotty of me but it's not false you generally have to make things simple for a lot of people because they're not going to pay attention even more so now that the theatrical window is shortening and more and more people are watching movies at home with so many more distractions of children significant others and that little fucking thing that we all hold on to our phone um, I tr- always try whenever I'm watching a movie for the first time, my phone is put well without, uh, sorry, f- far away from arm's reach. I want no distractions when I'm watching a film the first time. And that's not hard for me because film is my favorite art form. But for others, I know a lot of people that will be texting during the movie and I want to slap them in the face. (laughs) Um, If you are texting during this movie, you are incapable of understanding this movie. And I would understand why you wouldn't get it and why you wouldn't like it. 
Throw your phone away, watch this movie, enjoy a cinematic masterpiece and a science fiction treasure that Alex Garland has provided. Uh, I, I love this movie. There you have it, man. He's judgment-free opinion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Last two things before we call it a night. Favorite scene. Jordan, your favorite um, scene. So I have a feeling that the ghost bear scene is going to get a lot of love over here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to say my, my favorite scene is when um, is Reddick's death. I just think it's, I think it's beautiful. I like the meaning behind it. And uh, it gets really well shot. Um, I love the dialogue between her and Lena during that whole scene and how that kind of ends up. I just, I think it's a beautiful scene. And uh, it's a nice break um, from all the awful, horrible deaths that happen in the rest of the film. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I didn't see that coming. Wicked. With with really obvious picks like this one, like obviously my favorite scene is going to be the ghost bear one. I do like to go to second favorite okay. because I, the the... The uh, Homerton bear is easily the best scene in the movie, no question, um, at least in my opinion. I, If I'm to pick a silver medal, I definitely like um, – it's a tiny little moment, but the moment where they're in bed together yeah. uh, talking about looking up at the same stars yeah. and things like that, it's, it, yeah. it has the potential to be a really corny <laughs> moment, but it's totally downplayed, and it's just a very realistic, yeah. romantic bit of dialogue in a movie that has a lot of ideas – and we haven't really talked about the script for this movie at all, but the dialogue in that scene is really well written, and it's a really, really good conversation and incredibly well performed by Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac. So that's going to be uh, my silver medal. Nice. Well, I'll go with my silver medal as well, since obviously the ghost bear, nightmare bear, Homerton bear is my favorite <laughs> scene. So I'm going to go when uh, Lena and the humanoid have their little dance and um, – the it restrains her against the, the 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 door it's haunting scary beautiful all at the same time and uh, a, a highlight of the film for me perfect so we'll wrap it up with our scores out of five no half points <laughs> sam start us uh, off the warning for a warning for <laughs> yeah, government, yeah. i assume oh don't worry i have, I, I felt that very pointedly <laughs> i have i have long since conceded this point <laughs> Uh, so uh, who are we starting with here? Sam, you can go first. Okay. So I've been back and forth in my head. I did have this as my second favorite movie of 2018. So obviously a high rankings in order. Um, I'm almost sort of upset for that reason that I can't honestly give it a five. I think I'm going to go ahead and give it a four um, for a bunch of reasons. It, again, it's a fantastic movie and I don't need to justify myself any further and even ranking it that high. I think why it's not quite at a five for me is because... A, there's a lot to this movie, there's a lot of meat, and it might very well be the kind of movie that gets better with time and with rewatches, so for that reason, I think it, it hasn't quite reached its potential in my mind yet. And also, I mean, there are little things that we pointed out that, that were missed that you can generally give things a pass for. I also tend to reserve my five out of fives for movies that just have sort of the X factor for me, a movie that connects with me on a level that, uh, that maybe others just don't um and for me in 2018 there was only one movie that got a five uh that was eighth grade um so i think for the time being this is going to be sitting firmly at a four but uh with some rewatches could be upgraded in in the future uh jordan your ranking um i am going to give it a five i did want to give it a four and a half <laughs> i really wanted to give it a four and a half just because there's just a little bit um no half but, points um at, since I can't, it does get bumped up to a five for me. Um, 
again, I, I've seen this movie so many times. It's based off of a really good book. Um, I've, I do feel like I personally relate to this film a lot. Like I'm a huge sci-fi nerd. I'm a huge biology nerd. I love, I love when you can play around with that a little bit. Um, and I just love how every single time I've watched this movie, I've learned new things. I've connected new dots. It's made more sense. And, um, I love that it's a movie that you can have really deep in depth discussions on and you can mm. learn something from every person who's watched it. Cause everybody's seen it a slightly different way. Mm. Um, so for all of that, I think that's why I give it a five. Beautiful. Nice. All right. Manny manual. Mine's a four. Uh, I only gave out three fives last year. Um, and, uh, this wasn't one of them, but this, I gave out a lot of fours and this was an easy four for me. This is definitely a, a great movie that I will, I would love to recommend to a lot of people, but I won't because I know that some of them won't <laughs> fully enjoy this movie the way it's meant to be enjoyed and they'll play on their phones and I'll want to slap them in the face. You know, you know who you are. Uh, so it, it's a four. It's a, <laughs> but I just whispered the name of somebody to Jordan <laughs> that we both know. Yeah. It's a, it's a great film. It's a highly intellectual film. It's a kind of movie that I want people to watch. It's the kind of movie that I love to watch. Uh, it's an easy four for me. And just so you know, I made predictions prior to you guys giving your scores, and I got Jordan wrong. Ooh, you had us <laughs> four as well. I had us fours across the board. Ah, uh, no dice. Should have waited until I went on my uh, Ouroboros rant. <laughs> I know. I was like, God damn it. I gotta say though, like having the nerdiness added. I mean, you listen to the show. Yeah. You know that having the nerd yeah. factor in there is a key element. Like this was, uh, as far as a guest yeah. appearance goes, this was arguably the nerdiest of the four, <laughs> and that, in my opinion, complements the uh, the features of the Samuel Emanuel movie podcast oh, very yeah. well. Uh, we we loved having the nerd factor in there because we already yeah. have it. <laughs> well, we do. Well, and I was super I was super excited um, when we decided to do this movie because I don't actually know anybody else who's seen this movie. Mm. Um, again, there's not a lot of people I think I know that would really enjoy this movie. Yeah. So I've been waiting to talk about this movie for so long, <laughs> and I'm so glad it shows. I'm it so shows. glad I finally actually got to do that. So yeah. I super appreciate um, that we did this film. Awesome, absolutely. Well, we were super glad that you could come and join us, Jordan. And we have now that you've uh, we've we've uh, you cracked the egg and you've joined the cast. Uh, we have an open door policy. We'll. Uh, <laughs> You're you're welcome back anytime you want. We would love to have you. It was a, a spectacular debut on your behalf. Uh, I loved having you on. I'm looking forward to you coming back. If you enjoyed it enough and want to come back, I would love to have you. Oh uh, no, I had a really shitty time actually. I'm just gonna go now. <laughs> I can tell. I can understand. Well, I pro I pro Jordan, I promise. Because because you yelled out of for pirate movies, Manny. Yes. Jordan, I promise. About, I promise. Next episode, that Sam won't be here. It'll just be me and you, so it'll be much yeah, more enjoyable. Really, really cut out a lot of the fat. Yes. In the podcast, I think. No, that's good. No, I mean, hey, me and her are going to be roommates that's soon, true. so I, I don't yeah. think we're getting rid of her. No, no, you'll see me again. Yeah. Hey, if you ever want to do Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, not a chance. So. <laughs> <laughs> So 
So before we head off, I guess I'll talk about our social media again. Uh, please remember to like, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and a positive review. It will increase our exposure so more than the 18 people listening will find this little little podcast. You can follow us on social media on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. Soon to be Jordan underscore Manny underscore movie. Taking to abuse tonight. <laughs> You can follow us on Facebook and like our page, and uh, we'll try and be a little bit more active. I was active for a while. I'm not so active anymore, but I'm going to try and increase that from now on. Um, and I think that's everything. Oh, I'll write an email. You can uh, contact us at email at sammannymoviepodcast uh, at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. I do. Uh, we have been getting some feedback uh, from some of our listeners. Uh, I've really appreciated it. I haven't shared them much with Sam, and I always keep forgetting because we always go on our own rants and start talking about our personal lives. Uh, and baseball. I will, I, yeah, mostly baseball. And I will pass uh, the feedback we've been getting along to Sam. I think that's about it. Uh, preview for next week. Oh, yeah, next week. <laughs> it's okay. I know you forgot because I'm not on it. So yeah, it's fine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, next week uh, is the last episode of the Sam Emanuel podcast. The week after that, the Jordan and Manuel <laughs> podcast will begin. Uh, exactly. ne- <laughs> next week, we are celebrating the start of the Major League Baseball season by reviewing Major League. That. That sound, ladies and gentlemen, is the sound of Jordan completely <laughs> tuning out. Uh, obviously, she has to deal with my baseball talk at work. I've told her I'm going to force her, actually, to become you, a baseball fan. I don't think together. it's going to go very well. No, oh, it's, it's well. going to go great. <laughs> yes, the best sport on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, Manny next week. And I... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, Manny and I both obviously huge baseball fans, anyone that knows us. Um We've mentioned before, back in the day, we actually wanted to make this podcast movies and baseball. We thought uh, having only two listeners, which would have been us, (laughs) probably wouldn't have been great for the growth of said podcast. So we decided to uh, only choose one. We decided on movies, and uh, it's worked out pretty well. I don't know. Yeah, so we will be reviewing the 1989 comedy classic Major League. I am super... Which, Which I have not seen, to the shock and surprise of all of our listeners. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> I, I am super excited to revisit this movie. I love this film, so it'll be fun to uh, talk about it with uh, Sam. I'm excited to see if he likes it at all. We'll find out. Guess so. All right, so for the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. I'm Jordan Spires. Shimmer, 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 shimmer. <laughs> I'm Sam Rammer. Adios. <laughs> <laughs>